double the upside, double the upside, gonna double the upside by the end of the year. We're not doing that today. I know. I promised you I would only play it on Friday and Monday, but I did not promise you that I wouldn't sing it the rest of the week. Mm. You hate that so much. I really do. <laughs> Love but you. Hate that. But it's catchy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Give me credit for that. It, it is catchy. And it pops into your head all day and you think of the upside. Uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, deep thoughts from my pedicure earlier today coming up. But first, Kelly and I got more neighbor drama. Living in gratitude, finding the positive in every experience, and helping other people do the same. You are now part of the movement. Welcome to the Upside Podcast with Callie and Jeff. In one of our earliest episodes, we explained that our neighbor uh, is, is not a fan of our dogs when they bark. And she is entitled to that, right? Nobody likes barking dogs. But uh, we thought we had handled it, and then it came up again today, and Callie is very, very anxious. I am so upset about this whole thing. Like, tears in her eyes upset. I cried. Today I cried. I absolutely did. And I was crying pretty much up until we turned the microphones on. What is upsetting to you about our neighbor drama? Well, so two months ago, our neighbor called me, I think because Lily barked at her, and there, I sent her a text message in response. She didn't write back. And then today, Lily barked at her, and we got a very heated message, and it upset me a lot. Because you think our dogs are without flaws, and no. you're upset that somebody insulted your child? No, I'm upset because the first interaction that we've ever had about the dogs is so nasty. Like, it's a, well, it's not the first interaction. It's not the first interaction, but it's the first time she said, Hey, I'm really scared of your dogs, even though there's a fence and they're not jumping on it. Like they're just barking. They're not like trying to jump over the fence or trying to come after her. They're, they're just barking. And this message was, she's upset. All right. Here's, here is what our backyard looks like. So, the, our driveway is right next to our next door neighbor's driveway. And there's a fence in the backyard. There's no fence in the front yard, but in the backyard where the dogs go out, there is a fence that you can kind of see through and you can definitely hear through. Mm -hmm. And there, I think it's their garbage cans or something is, is against that fence. And so if the dogs are in the backyard and they move the garbage cans or do anything that like touches or moves the fence, the dogs who are not barkers, like they're not dogs that are just mm -hmm. in the yard barking all day. Yippers. And if they were, we'd bring them inside. They're, they're driveway barkers. Like when people, when the, when the UPS right. man gets here, when the Amazon guy mm -hmm. gets here, they go crazy at the front door. When mm -hmm. company comes, they go crazy at the front door. Well, they do that at the fence too, but they don't stop because 
they're frustrated because they can't see through it. And they're scared. Well, and I was, they're, prote- um, they're protective. They're protective. And we want them to be protective because I would love for, you know, I will not enjoy the day where somebody comes to our door and they're not protecting their house. Like that's one of the reasons we have dogs, but I don't one, I don't like upsetting people. So I don't like that. She's upset. And I was worried about this. If you remember when we first talked about it, I was worried that because she's not a dog person, our dogs would get little to no grace. And I don't think that they have like, it would take a lot for me to say something to a neighbor about their dog because we're dog people. You know what I mean? Like I would start sneaking raw beef under the fence and be like, Oh my God, please like me. Ah, right. Um, so anyways, but she was livid. Like it went from zero to 60 in one text message. And I don't really know how to, I don't really know what to think, but my first gut reaction was to cry. And I cried really hard. Um, cause we've been working so hard with the dogs. We immediately, and she can hear us call them in. Like as soon as them one even wants to say, Sadie does this almost barked thing almost bark thing, you know, like she's, Sadie's like, she, Sadie's a beagle. Um, so she's, she does everything kind of the lazy way first. So she like kind of growls a little bit, but then she's like, oof. Yeah. And then we're like, Sadie, come in. And we knock on the window and then the dogs come in. Cause Jeff hasn't trained it that way. So we're very aware and conscious of our neighbors, but now I'm kind of scared of her. <laughs> no, you don't have to be scared of her, but it it's, more than anything else, I'm embarrassed because you always want to have the well-behaved kids, right? And these right. are our kids right now. And they're not well-behaved next to that fence, but I don't know how to train them. Yeah. I, Only at that fence. Right. Because we don't want to, we don't want to train them to not bark altogether because we want barking dogs when someone approaches our house. So it's just that part of the fence. We even got the little box to put on the fence and they just don't, oh no. There is someone pulling in our driveway. You are about to hear our dogs lose their minds. There we go. There we go. Why did he ring the bell after he did that? I don't know. Am I going to have to go get it? I'll get it. I love how Jeff gets Southern when he talks to other Southern people. All right. So that was the viciousness that we were talking about. All right. Well, that right there is a (laughs) well-timed example. Seriously. Yeah, that's what our dogs do. And that's what she hears from the other side of the fence that she can't see through. Right. But it doesn't stop because... Once the dogs saw who it was and saw that I like shook his hand and was interacting mm-hmm. with him or whatever, then they were fine. Right. But when they didn't see until they know who it is, so you can't see through the fence, so they just lose their mind. So like Callie was saying, we got the thing that um, does the high-pitched squeal, which is fine, except, well, there's two problems with it. One, for some reason, Callie can hear it. <laughs> I can hear the dog, the noise that only dogs can hear. Which is so odd. And then the other thing is um, it doesn't deter them from the people they can't see. Yeah. So it, yeah. So we don't really know what to do. So if you have suggestions, we would love to hear them. (laughs) 
And yeah. Until then, I'll be sprinting full on from our front door to my car she, to avoid our neighbor because I'm scared. I texted her back. Jeff was very nice. And I wrote her a very nice text message. And I said that I was very sorry. And I said, well, let's sit down and talk next week and, and, and figure out what we can each do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it might be as simple. I mean, I, I'm not... I. I, I'm not going to tell her what to do or how to conduct her house or anything like that, but it might be just a simple matter of if she could move her garbage cans, like, so they're not against the fence. So they're not against the fence. Maybe, I don't know, but it, I mean, it's going to be, it's, that's not my call, but so anyways, uh, I had a, I'm a big believer and man, if you're listening to this, get pedicures. Jeff loves a pedicure. It is so great just to hang out for 45 minutes and have somebody take care of your hooves for you and cut your nails and put the stuff on it. I get really bad dry feet. So like they put all the paraffin wax and stuff on there to make them softer. But my mind gets to thinking. What were you thinking about? Well, a couple things. One, um, they always try to make me use the massage chair and I never use it. Some of them are kind of violent. Have yes. you ever been sitting in one where you're like jerking and you're yes? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's why so I don't use it because I look like I'm in an old timey <laughs> electric chair. Yeah. We're, well, and it's like, weird for women too, because you're thrusting your boobs out. Yeah. The whole and world. I yeah. <laughs> uh so um I just had so so she for the first time in like ever she didn't reach up and turn it on for me. And then I have to awkwardly turn it off or say, no, thank you. Right. Like she just set the control down and then I didn't do it. But two thirds of the way through the massage, I realized that the little massage pointy things were right in the middle of my back. Oh yeah, I've had that happen too. And you know what? I don't really know how to get rid of those things. I just turned it on and started hitting the buttons and eventually they moved. Oh, okay. Um, that was the first thought I had. And then the second thought I had during my pedicure was who was the first person to suggest using a cheese grater on a foot? I don't know, but to be honest, that thinking about it that way is really gross. Because it is, that's what it is, but right? Is it a, I think so. I think it's a legitimate cheese grater. It's not a special pedicure. I don't think so. Implement. And by the way, I've just completely talked out any guy, talked any guy out of going to get it. He's like, they do a who to a what? A cheese grater to your where? <laughs> yes. They take all of the dry skin off your foot using this thing mm -hmm. that looks like what you grate cheese with. Mm -hmm. And somebody had to be the very, very first person to think of that, which then led me to this thought. Who is the first person to eat mushrooms? Well, how did you get from cheese graters to mushrooms? Because I was thinking about the first people to do things. And I'm like, what was the most unlikely thing for someone to do? And it occurred to me that eating a dusty pile of what looks like poop that smells like dirt, somebody had to pick that up and eat it for the very first time. I don't think that's as weird as the cheese grater thing. It's a hundred times more weird. Go back a thousand years. Right, but that's what I'm saying because there were plants and stuff in the, the wild. Yeah, berries are different. A banana, you're like, oh, that's pretty and yellow. Think of what a mushroom looks like in the wild. It's a, I it, think it's you're being discriminatory because you don't like mushrooms, but people that like mushrooms would see it and it would look like a berry. No, no, no. A mushroom has never looked appetizing. Yeah, I, have, I don't know. I hate mushrooms, so I'm the wrong person. It's like it's like a soft, cold, wet. Oh, let's not talk about it. Dirt. 
It's like, it's almost as bad as boiled peanuts. One of the most traumatizing events from my childhood is that we had to taste test different kinds of mushrooms for something in school. Nope. Fake analogy. And I still remember the consistency enough to where I still hate mushrooms today because of that. I think mushrooms to me taste like what or or like have the consistency of what I think human brain would feel like. Okay. I don't really have a transition to that because that's the weirdest thing ever, but I guess. Doesn't speaking- it like it looks kind of spongy and damp? No, I was going to go for like, reminds me of an, un- like an above ground octopus or something. What do you think human brain consistency food wise? I don't know, but I'm going to switch the subject to something else human and related to hard boiled egg. No, Jeff, we're moving on. We're moving on. I found this really weird article that is talking about research that's been doing with a human blood test. Okay. And the test, like there, it's like a, what is it called? Not a focus group, not a study group, but like when they do research, they have to have like a, a trial. Oh, the sample. Or yeah, they're doing sampling or whatever. And they are saying in this test that they can predict 80% accurately in this group if you were going to die within the next five to 10 years. So you can get using a, a blood sample. So you can get a blood test and they will say, you'll be dead before the end of the decade. Well, that's what with, they're saying with, with the study participants. Like you can't just go somewhere and get it. But yeah, would you want to know that? If I was going to be dead within 10 years? Yeah. No. Me either. Nope. Me either. There's no reason to know that information. Nope. Like, well, 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 <laughs> well. It would push you to do all of the things that you're going to get to, quote, someday. Yeah, but then you're doing those things and sad about this is my last whatever. Would you be sad about it? Yeah. Or would you be like... Yeah, I would be sad. Are you kidding me? I cry at Publix commercials and yeah, no, I would, yeah. (laughs) You cry Cry doing my, my bucket list for sure. You cry when a neighbor says that your dogs bark too loud. Yeah, I think it's different. Maybe if you if you get sick and you're fighting something and you know that's a chance, and I would still be sad about that, but I would try to have, oh. I don't know. You know how people get sick, but then they have these amazing outlooks and you read stories about them and they're inspiring and amazing. But would I want to go out would willingly w- and know that? No. Right. And that's assuming that you have to pay for it. Why would I want to pay to know that? No, I absolutely would not want to pay to know that. What if there was a chance to make it preventable though? Like what if they're like, you're going to be dead within 10 years. Unless unless you stop eating mushrooms tomorrow or like, unless you have to eat (laughs) mushrooms every day. I don't know. I kind of think it's, I don't know. That might be a little messing with the way things are supposed to be for me. Like, I don't know. No, No. I don't want to know. I think it's messing with things. I would rather, you know, just right. go when it's my time. And it's yeah. interesting. It's interesting. You say that, that you just, you know, because you just want to go when it's time to go because you spent uh part of last week setting up your Facebook legacy. Who's going to get your Facebook yeah, page that. after you die. And then yesterday at, at Sunday dinner, uh, the other night, Callie says to her family, Hey, we all need to make if I go missing packages for each other. Well, 
here's why I said that and why it came up. It wasn't totally random, but my parents had a copy of their advanced directives to give to me that they had just signed. Like they gave my sister a copy and they gave me a copy. I don't know what that is. It's basically saying if they're hospitalized, what their wishes are. Oh, under what circum? This is such a morose. I know this is a really, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the upside is we won't have to make those decisions because they already made them. Like, so they right. have in writing. Like, hey, this is what we want while we're of the right state of mind to make these decisions. And then we keep them and it says my sister's name and my name. And then if anything happens to them, we together will make the, we'll, right. we'll call out what they want. According to the According document to the they've plan. already signed, which right. is good. Um, would, you, would you have to know this about um, Callie's father? He is the most prepared human being on the planet. Like ever. So he, there is a good chance that he had this advanced directive form filled out at age 12. Well, and when I brought up the if I go missing package, he scoffed at me. Do you remember? I was like, Dad, how would I find your stuff if something happened to you? And he goes, oh, <laughs> Cause you lived in his house. Cause he's like married his label maker. So, <laughs> but that that's accurate for him, but it was a, it was a good point that you made about everybody else, because if something, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if something happened to somebody and they were just gone, then the next family member would have access to the bank accounts and the, all right. that pretty easily. But if they go missing or if they're injured, it's more of a process. I wouldn't say that anything is really easy when someone passes, but, um, or goes missing, but I heard about this on the podcast crime junkie and it really made a ton of sense to me. And they were talking about missing persons cases and, um, something that it puts a hiccup in finding missing people sometimes is within the first, you know, they always talk, people always talk about how the first 48 hours are the most important in, you know, a case or whatever. So crime junkies idea was you should have a folder of all of your login information with someone that you know and trust. So if you go missing, the police and you don't have to go through the formal process of requesting phone records and bank account information. You can just log in to the bank account and see if there are any charges, see the phone records where they've pinged without going through any formal channels, which makes so much sense to me. So it's basically like a sealed envelope yes. that somebody who's not missing mm -hmm. could hand to the police and the police would use any information in there to gain clues. Yeah. Or, I mean, you can't, I think, I, well, it might depend on the state, but you can't file a missing persons report on an adult unless they've been missing for a, a period of time. So if I don't show up for 12 to 15 hours, like you would want to log in to Mike. I mean, you have our phone accounts, but if I, you would, and I, I would assume you were doing yoga. <laughs> but like if or, my parents went missing, like my parents go on vacation all the time and they've traveled all these like exotic places. If they went missing, I would have no idea how to get into their bank accounts or phone to see. I know exactly where I think you would be if you went missing. Where would I be? You would be in your car in a parking lot doing Insta stories and you lost track of time. But then you would know where I was because you would see I me always, on Instagram. I always forget to check your stories. Oh. And then I'm like, where is she? So she was coming right home. And then I'm like, oh no. Because I do it because I'm always annoyed because you're usually supposed to bring home like some groceries or dinner's going to be at yeah. like 5.15 or whatever. So it's like 5.30 and I know your yoga ended at five and I'm like, where is she? God, traffic must be terrible. Then I think, and I'm like, oh no, because I know I'm going to be mad. And I get the phone out and I look and there you are in the parking lot of your yoga studio. I have to talk to the people. 
And you have to, you know, you're like, I had such an epiphany at yoga today. It was so glorious. And you know what it made me think of? I'm going to make my husband get at dinner get cold that he's been slaving over the stove for four hours. No. That's what I'm going to do. Where would I be? If you couldn't find me, where do you think I would be? Um, Driving around aimlessly. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably right. Wouldn't, wouldn't you? Because that's what Jeff does when he wants to think about something or when he really needs to think something through. Um, I think actually after you got, got fired, I called you and I was like, hey, where are you? You're like, I'm driving. Yep, I'm like, just, to where? Nowhere. I'm just driving around thinking. Like, yeah, I, I have put a lot of miles on my car between Buckhead, Sandy Springs, and like Smyrna Vinings, <laughs> just like making the loop. Just thinking about life. Just make, because I never want to be too far from home. Right. But you want to be going far enough that your brain can process everything. Another thought, another place you could look for me would be like a micro center or a computer store of What's some a sort. a micro center? Computers. Like if I'm in there, like a gadget, any place that sells oh. gadgets, because I'll be in there like looking at gadgets and study them. I could be there too. Yeah. Or you, I could have, I'd fall asleep pretty easily, or I could just be asleep somewhere. Do you remember when, this is really random, I don't know how we got here, ADD, but do you remember that one time, and I don't remember what was happening, but you decided that you were sick of getting phone calls and text messages, and you got another phone I that only I knew, and your parents knew, and you were like, yeah, I'm just going to turn off my regular phone for the next week. Yeah, it was, a, <laughs> it wasn't it a, um, wasn't it a BlackBerry? Yes, you were endorsing some sort of cell phone yep. at the time. And so you had access to, you know, unlimited cell phones kind of or cheap ones or something like that. And you showed up one day and you're like, I just decided I'm sick of my phone. So I'm turning this off. But you were nice enough to give me the number. What it was is um, I used to a million years ago, I used to do endorsements for AT&T. And my primary phone was an iPhone you know, with the phone number and everything. And and I think I got a discount on the bill and it was great because it's part of the endorsement, uh-huh. but they would have new phones come out and you could, they would assign a phone number and they would want you to use it for a month, but you always had oh, to send it back. Oh, So you just had phones. I had no, the, the phones all had to go back, but the numbers were still on my account. Uh-huh. So I bought a Blackberry, an old school Blackberry. Remember this uh-huh. off of eBay and I had one of the other phone numbers turned back onto the BlackBerry. Oh, yeah. That's funny. And I remember it was because AT&T called and they were like, "I, you may have been hacked. This inactive number has just been assigned. <laughs> You're like, to no, an, I'm just weird. I want to escape humans. I didn't even last the whole week. I no, you a, didn't. Like one day. I lasted a day. And then a month later, I found the BlackBerry. And I'm like, oh, remember this idea? Womp, womp. Oh, remember this idea? Dang it. He still can't. How long has it been that we've had the podcast? Like two months? Yeah. There you go. I should really label those buttons. So exciting news tonight. My best friend, Chrissy, is doing stand-up comedy for the very first time in front of an audience. Our friend, Lace Larrabee, who is a terrific comic, started a comedy class a couple years ago, I think. I think mm-hmm. she's in her second for year, women. maybe her third year. And, and every student is, is female. And it's and she does it to make it um, comfortable, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there, there's uh, all women in the class, and everybody's like supporting each other. And then she also does it because uh, comedy is just one of those many many industries underserved, yeah, by females. So she's putting more uh, comics in the world. And Chrissy, we talked her, and I think it was mainly your dad. And it, there was wine involved for sure. Talked her into taking it. 
Cause she's so funny. She's so funny. And my parents, we were having a Sunday night dinner one weekend and my parents were like, you should definitely take Lisa's comedy class. You're so funny. And she signed up and did it. So she's going to be, she's had six like classes with Lace. And then to, uh, tonight at the punchline in Atlanta, she and everybody else that she's been taking classes with, what are there? Six, seven people total. I think there's 12. Oh, are there? Okay. Mm-hmm. Are going to get up and do stand up comedy for the first time in front of an audience. So we'll be there. And if you're in Atlanta, please come. And here's the, the thing that I told Chrissy, because it wasn't too long ago that I did my very first stand up, And for whatever reason, what was most intimidating to me was getting the microphone back into the mic stand. I don't know why, but I was preoccupied with that thought the entire, like leading up to it. And then even while I was on stage doing my first dumb stand up, which is funny because that's not even close to your first time ever holding a microphone. No. You've been holding a microphone for 25 years, I, but I never have to take them out of stance and put them back. So I actually asked Chrissy, I'm like, are you good with taking the mic out of the stand and putting it back? And she said, uh, yeah, I think so. And I'm like, do you want me to bring a mic stand over to your house <laughs> just so you can practice? Because it's, just, I don't know why it tripped me up. Like it just weirded me out. It's like focusing on not tripping when you're walking up on a stage or something like that. It has nothing to do with your abilities, but it's just the little technical something that could go wrong. You're like, if I trip in front of all these people. I <laughs> always have the fear um, if if you're coming down off a small stage, like a graduation or something, I always have the fear of the stairs collapsing. Yeah, I could I, see that. Like if it's a it's a pop-up stage. I always fear that with um, any portable type stairs. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know because I think, I don't know why. I fear trap doors. Huh? Not that I'm on a lot of stages, but I fear trap doors. There are trap doors and stages? Yeah, you didn't know that? No. I was at the Fox Theater for something and I got to be on stage for a second, not like as a, like no one was there. Callie used to star in the Nutcracker. <laughs> no, I didn't. But you could see, I think it's at the Fox. You can see like the trap door things, whichever, which I'm sure they're very secure, but I was just looking thinking, oh my God, what if I fall? So are they for moving actors on and off the stage? Yeah, or I think what so. It, really? Yeah, I think there are trap doors, but I think there's also a place because they, I think, build stages based on what's going on. So sometimes there's an orchestra pit that sticks out you know, further than there. So uh-huh. there's all sorts of little crevices. So yeah, I got really freaked out. Fascinating. Yeah. Never thought of that. Yeah. Given the fact that the stage at the punchline comedy club is only a foot and a half off the f- floor. I doubt there's a trap door in that. If no, there is, I don't think there's a trap it's, door. <laughs> it's just for a cat. If that's all it's for, if that's, if there's one in the punchline. Yeah. It's only like a foot and a half off the ground. Do people know why you got into comedy? Have you told that story about uh, Jeff Foxworthy? Um, I think so. I mean, I could tell it again because it's a great story and it's a great reminder to, uh, to, I guess, kind of put yourself out there like Chrissy's doing. Yeah. I, I was at, it's a funny story. I was actually at an event and, uh, talking to a friend of mine's mom and I felt a tap on my shoulder and I turned around and it was Jeff Foxworthy, the comedian. And he was there with his daughter, Jules. And he said, hey, 
uh, I'm so sorry to bother you, but she has listened to you on the radio forever and wanted to know if she could take a picture with you. And I said, oh my gosh, of course. Like in my head, I'm going, Jeff Foxworthy's asking me for a picture, right? Mm -hmm. That was cool. Um, Cause he was actually, oh, I know why it was extra cool. Cause he was one of the honorees. Yes, I remember he, that. He was getting an award for, um, for it was the Georgia Music, Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, and he was being inducted for his comedy stuff, like spoken word and the number of uh, albums and CDs he had sold and all that. He's so awesome. So I was like, oh my gosh, Jeff Foxworth, the honoree is asking me for a picture. So I took a picture with with his daughter and probably, and I don't think I took a picture with, with him. And then we went our separate ways and you walked up and I'm like, you just missed Jeff Foxworthy. And I didn't know this, but you were a huge fan. Oh, I love Jeff Foxworthy. So we went backstage and when we were back there, uh, I, I, we went backstage to find him. We stalked him. Yeah, because I was said, well, he owes me a picture now, so let's go get a picture of you and Jeff Foxworthy. And when we got backstage, um, it was just really, really hectic. And it's he said, hey, I didn't get a chance to tell you, but uh, I listened to you on the radio, and you're really funny. And then I said, as we were getting pulled in separate directions, you're really funny too. Of course you did. That's what I said to Jeff Foxworthy. You're really funny too. And then we got pulled off in two separate directions to go. Like I was presenting an award and he was receiving one. So we had to go get pictures taken. Or, And I'm like, you idiot. For 48 hours, I was like, you idiot. Who says that to Jeff Foxworthy? You're really funny too. So I, I tracked down his phone number through a friend of a friend of a friend, sent him a text message, thanked him for the compliment. And uh, told him it made my night. And he wrote back and said, we should have lunch. And at that lunch, he told me that I should try my hand at stand-up comedy. He's the best ever. He is so, I mean, he's genuinely. He's uh, genuine. He's genuinely Period. genuine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he is a kind soul and he can't. And he, I mean, we talked about it a lot because I was at a weird place. This is when I was still over at the Burt Show. And I was like at a weird place creatively. And I'm like, is this what I'm going to do? For the rest of my Didn't life. Didn't he tell you at one point that he could kind of hear that you weren't, there were things, he felt like you had pent up comedic energy and that you needed to like find I, an outlet for comedy? Yeah, I think he said something along the lines of like, you have to be careful. Maybe this is a lesson for somebody who needs to hear it, but he said something along the lines of, you have to be careful so that your circumstances don't become... I wish I could remember the quote, but it was basically along the lines of don't let your circumstances dull the shine of your potential or something. Yeah. So he's basically saying, I can hear the frustration. Like you want to do more and you want to be more and you want to expand to more, find an outlet for that. I think you'd be really good at stand-up comedy. And, and so I came home and told Callie that, and she's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. What should I do? And she goes, Jeff Foxworthy just told you that you should do stand-up comedy. You have to go, go do stand-up comedy. Yeah. Like, how can you not? So I did it. And I mean, I it was one of the few things in my life that I did without even thinking about it. Which like, is weird for Jeff because he overthinks everything. 100% and analyze it. And mm -hmm. well, you know what? I'll do it in a few months when I have time for it. I mean, right. we had lunch on a Wednesday and I was doing an open mic that Sunday. Dove right in. Dove right into it. And I will tell you that that 
right there was one of the things that in the, it was in that tiny window of my life that actually changed my life. Like the lunch with Jeff Foxworthy and uh, the triathlon were both things that ch changed my life. Those moments in time and starting therapy. It all started at the same exact time, like within the same year. And those three things together altered the course of my life. I love that. Yeah. So, uh, and led me right into your arms. Lucky. Thank you for listening to the Upside Podcast with Callie and Jeff. Please make sure you subscribed so you never miss an episode of The Upside. If you haven't done so yet, we would appreciate so much if you took the time to go like and subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends about us. We're still in a period of growth and it means so much to us and to the growth of the upside. If you would take 10 seconds to go do that, we would really appreciate it. Yeah, and here's the thing. Um, I know that you can give a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple, but I don't think you can do it on Google. Also about Google, and nothing against, they seem to be doing very well for themselves. <laughs> but but their podcast delivery does, whenever we get a message from somebody saying they're having a problem listening to it. It's always on Google. It's always on Google. So number one, knock on wood, because I want to make sure I didn't just jinx us. But number two, um, there's an app called CastBox, C-A-S-T-B-O-X. Android users love it. Yeah. A listener told us about it, said they had great um, experience with it. And so far, we've heard that everyone that is was listening on Google um, that has switched to CastBox really likes it and has no problem. So if you would, please, on Apple, if you're an Apple user, uh, give us five stars and, and subscribe. And then um, everybody, 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 tell your friends how much fun it is to hang out with Callie and I and hear our silly little stories and our barking vicious dogs. 